0: Good morning again. It is good to be with you all in this lobby area. I'll explain a little bit why I chose this location for uh, this sermon, but first uh, a word on the Ten Commandments series and then our, our reading from the New Testament. First, we are three weeks into this and you may have noticed that the heart of the commandments is not simply do not do this, avoid this, but it's also proactively then do this. Jesus taught us that the heart of God's law is not just avoid this, but, but actively love in this direction, and so the, the, the first week when we, we talked about having no other gods before me also means at its deepest level to pursue God with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul above all else, right? Or, or um, last week we talked about having uh, no images of God or pinning God down to, to one image, one location, one theology. But it's not just avoid that, but right, but actively open ourselves in wonder before the love and mystery and depths of God and Jesus Christ, who we can never fully mine or know. This week, we're talking about God's name, as you heard from Christina, uh, not taking God's name in vain. Consider, as, as, as we uh, begin to step toward this sermon, what the opposite of that then looks like, to live full, most fully into the commandment. But first, as we think about that, Let's hear from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm standing here in the lobby area because this is an area of the lobby, where we have a lot of names. This counter, when, when, we're, when we're gathered in person, this is the counter where folks come to get their new name tags if they don't previously have one or they need to reorder one. This area is not so far from where visitors would uh, fill out a, a name tag with a Sharpie and put it on for the service. We turn around and we have this, this remarkable hutch and if we open these doors, we realize they are filled with so many Names. Look at this. This is a greeting from the pastor, Pastor MC Hutton, 1903. And right on the front are some names. The elders, Dr. William P. Fleming, Clerk of Session, J.E. Cooper, Cooper Sampson, the deacons and trustees, B.S. Sherrod, W.S. Leake, P.D. Kuntz, W.T. Sanderson, J.L. Price. Then you open it up and, and, and you can see uh, the, the, the membership roles, and you can see who's in which Sunday schools, which men's group, which women's group. All these names. Many of you recognize this. Gather around the table. 150 years of food and fellowship put together in 2004 in commemoration of the 150th anniversary of First Presbyterian Church. And you open this and there are all these wonderful recipes. But you know the thing I noticed first are all the names. Babs Cape, Sausage Cheese, Balls with Olives, excellent. We have over here Joyce Porch, Sills Crab Meat Appetizers, Marty Brown has a Shrimp dip we'll turn a few pages over nancy Stearns has an orange jello pineapple buttermilk salad martha cowan has a cranberry salad we keep going helen burke has an oriental shrimp salad we're in the salad section we're jumping ahead we've got a vegetable pie from joyce Joyner. a vegetable casserole from poppy holsey Susan Poteet, Simply Elegant Steak and Rice. Chuck Graham, United States Military Academy Fajitas. Peg Kingsbury Baked Chicken Easy, number one. Karen Rayburn, Orange Walnut Chicken. We could continue for some time. The recipes look delightful and delicious. The names capture my imagination. What remarkable names are captured here. And truly every place, our our schools, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our our city, our church, all places are made up of names, and, and and then some names always especially seem to stand out. What is it that makes a name a name? What is it about certain names that upon hearing it, we, we immediately give a measure of, of respect or deference or even awe? What is it about certain names that, that, that there's an immediate sense of weightiness to the name? The kind of name where, if, if you're with someone who didn't know that name, you want to you wanna stop and say, Oh, let me tell you about that name, that family. Sometimes we show deference to a name because they have money or power or fame or, or some combination of all of those. Uh, but the names in, in our church and our families and our company and schools and so forth that, that I think we, we ultimately end up truly respecting are the names whose character has shown to be good and strong, just and kind and loving. Their name carries weight because their character has been known specific actions time and time again. The whole of the Bible places a stress upon the name of God as you heard in in the children's sermon. It's, it's, it's understood that, that the name of God is, is uniquely weighty and so time and again we hear things like um, let the name of the Lord be praised. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Or, our scripture from Philippians declares that Jesus has the name above all names, the name before whom all will one day bow. And the reason God's name carries so much weightiness, is worthy of such full acknowledgement, is the kind of name where if someone hadn't heard of this name, you'd want to say, you want to stop and say, oh, let me tell you about this name, this family. The reason is because of God's character made known in weighty acts of deliverance and beauty and mercy and forgiveness time and time again. This is the God whose name is most fully revealed as Jesus. To, to Luke's question, what is God's name? Jesus, right? And by the power of the Holy Spirit at work with us, in, in us and among us today, Jesus is actively healing us, saving us, renewing us, forgiving us, reconciling us, strengthening us. The name of Jesus is worthy because the acts of Jesus are worthy. The name and the action, they go hand in hand. And this is where the third commandment comes in. It exhorts that we are not to make wrongful use of God's weighty name or the traditional rendering, do not take the Lord's name in vain. I imagine many of you who grew up in the church as I did have heard the third commandment as a prohibition against cursing the name of God or putting a bad word next to God's name and absolutely that is part of this we want to avoid any kind of of, of language that trivializes God's name or, or ends up being a stomping on God's name as Christina talked about in fact were we to treat some of of the names in in this cookbook in that kind of trivial or ugly way. One might imagine someone in the church would pull us aside and say, I don't think you, you nearly or fully know about that name and what they're all about and all that they've done and all that they've given and all that they are. The commandment then goes even further than guarding against the flippant use of God's name. The, 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 the Hebrew for vain there, do not take the Lord's name in vain, has connotations of empty, groundless, without substance. The point being that we're not to empty God's name of a weighty substance or, or to put in the positive, then we are to fill God's name with weighty and good substance. What does that look like? Why, why would we be in a position even to, to empty or fill God's name? The summer before I went to college, I worked in the office area, office area of our family business back in Cincinnati, Ohio, Hamilton Castor. It's a manufacturing business. The main thing I was in charge of was, was really updating and, and organizing a host of uh, Excel spreadsheets. So I was in front of the computer screen most of the day and somewhere in the middle of the summer, I got tired of this particular project I was on. I woke up one morning and I just decided for one day I'm not going to show up. I just want to roll over, sleep a little, and do my own thing. I knew my dad would, would say something and, 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 um, and we'd, we'd move on. Uh, I entirely underestimated how upset he would be. When he arrived home that evening, he made it clear just how deeply he was disappointed and also that, that he simply would not tolerate that kind of decision again. He made that clear in just a couple sentences, and then he said this, you need to remember you are a Lippert. I had forgotten my name. With one short sentence, my dad was reminding me that I bear a name, a name that runs deep in that particular company. First my great great grandfather John Veagle, who founded the company. And then my great grandmother Esther Lippert, who was the next president, and then Ralph Lippert, my great grandfather, her husband, who, who ran it after her. Then my grandfather Bob Lippert, who was the president for many years, and now my uncle Dave Lippert, who is the, the current president and they've worked hard to build a company that prioritizes quality and excellence in all things. They have put their name into it and behind it. My dad was not upset because eight hours of computer work didn't get done. The issue was that a child of the Lippert family, the Lippert name, didn't show up for work for no good reason. It was a betrayal of the family name. It was an emptying the family name of of good substance. When we're baptized as Christians, we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our name is now subsumed in the name of God. As baptized people, we, we bear God's name. We live in that name, and, and so we do not show up to our schools or our workplace or our Zoom meetings, or our family gatherings, or our social media, or our political debates, or our acts of advocacy, or or, or our officership in the church. Most fundamentally, we don't show up to any of those foremost with our titles, or recognitions, or education, or experience we may have, important as some of that can be. Most fundamentally, we uh, we show up bearing the name of Jesus. And with our words and with our actions we can either empty the name of substance or show forth the full weight of that great name. It was the author and speaker, Brendan Manning, who once put it this way, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today. The greatest reason that people just look at the idea of God or the church or Jesus and they just see no real substance, no, nothing of real, real depth that, that can be leaned into in a way that you would believe or trust that. The greatest single re- cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. The greatest single reason, in other words, that, that people find no reason to truly trust and lean into to God and in Jesus and, and walking alongside others in the church is, in fact, Christians who, who take the name of the Lord in vain. They acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but then empty the name of substance with their lives. They've 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 got the, the Jesus bumper sticker or, or or flag or the cross necklace or the or the beautiful Bible or or the active Jesus church affiliation or the Jesus music or the Jesus confession. But then oh the the mean spiritedness or the judgmentalism or the the disdain or or the focus on small things and then what about the really big things aching in this world or, or, or the gossiping or the selfishness. Or the violence or the greed. Have we known this wound? They, they carry the name of Jesus, but no, no, no. That's not the substance. Have we inflicted this wound? Have we ever rolled back into bed and fallen asleep on our name? And yet, my dad did not kick me out of the family that day. In one sense, that would have been impossible. My my very DNA says, I'm in, regardless. And nor does God, and Jesus Christ, our DNA, is family. Goodness, didn't the prodigal son do his level best to ruin the family name and and surely deserve to be cast beyond the pale of the family with all of his actions and the way he took that inheritance and spent his money and all of his things and and dissolute living, and did not he discover the profound truth that, that really there's nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? He's still family. No, Jesus doesn't kick us out when we empty the family name, when we fall asleep on our name. Nor, I don't think, does Jesus often berate us with long-winded speeches. What Jesus normally does is find a way to remind us of our name once more. When I went back to Hamilton, Castor, that next day, I purposely walked a little more slowly by one particular wall that my dad had mentioned I might slow to notice. It's a wall that usually my wall, eyes just raced right beyond. And across this wall, I scanned the photo of, of um, my great-great-grandfather, John Vigel, great-grandmother, Esther, great-grandfather, Ralph, grandfather, Bob Lippert. Then there was a photo of Uncle Dave. And today, it seems a timely time for us as well to, to slow. And remember the name we bear. We may not have a, a precise wall that captures things just like uh, at Hamilton Castor, but we, we do have a worship, a couple worship spaces. And though we're not in either one of those right this moment, I invite you to imagine those because there are some key visuals in those worship spaces that, that are meant in part to remind us of our name. We, we look, for instance, at the baptismal font that is there every single Week. It says so much about the name we bear, even if our eyes often race right by it. It reminds us that we have made, been made new in the Spirit, and we are we're to live in accordance with the fruit of the Spirit, a people of peace and patience, kindness and generosity. It reminds us we are a people to, who, who boldly seek forgiveness, having been washed in forgiveness by the grace of Jesus Christ. It reminds us, we be, to be the kind of people who, who, who have this basic call to, to share cups of water and access to clean water to any and all who are thirsty, to share words of encouragement and hope and life with those whose souls thirst. That baptismal font tells us a lot about the substance of our name in Jesus. We continue to scan the worship space, and we see that that communion table again. That maybe our eyes usually race right past says so much about our name. We're reminded that that we we are a people who foremost are a people, a family at table in fellowship with every tribe, tongue, and nation. In other words, we are a people of a long table and an open table. The red and the blue, the rich and the poor, the black, the brown, the white, the young, the old. We are a people of a long, generous table as family. And we're reminded by that table of our our most basic call to extend with regularity, generous hospitality, most... Mindful of the generous hospitality we have first received in Jesus. And of course, if our eyes keep scanning, we see the baptismal font, the table, we look up just a little bit, and perhaps we see the pulpit. We're reminding that if our, if our bearing of Jesus' name has any substance, then we are a people who take God's word seriously. We, we believe we, we lean in and, and listen to God's word and listen for Jesus' voice in and through. God's Word. We open ourselves to the Holy Spirit changing us, leading us. And if, if sometimes we don't know where to start or restart with, with being a, a people of God's Word, I, I'd invite you to, to simply sit down today or this week with Philippians chapter 2, a portion of which I, I just read before the sermon. I think chapter 2 is, is one of the more critical passages for the church to be considering in our age. The font, the table, the pulpit. We could go through a number of other visuals, but I'll lead us out into this lobby area where we see this hutch and we are reminded that we are a people who have been handed down this work of the Church of Jesus Christ by the saints who have gone before us. We stand in the company of all of these saints. As the book of Hebrews says, they they surround us even now in the heavenly realm, cheering us on, encouraging us. In other words, to do the work in the name of Jesus is never to do this alone, but to do it in the company of all of God's great saints from yesterday who are with us and for us. We are a people of the water and the table, the pulpit and the saints of old. Has, any of the, has one of those reminders stuck with you more than others on this particular morning? In what way is God calling you to live with new substance, perhaps in a way prompted by one of those four visuals that helps us remember our name. Then step with courage. Know that we go in the name of Jesus, a name of resurrection, power, hope, and healing, a name that will not fall asleep on us, a name that will not fail us. Thanks be to God. Amen.